Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Uh, let's welcome straight away my cohorts, partner in crime, partners in crime, if you will. Uh, uh, our VP Racing Fuel Pit and Paddock reporter is Shea Adam. Hello, Shea Adam. Hello, John. It's a lovely day for some motor racing, and there's going to be a lot of it today from Charlotte Motor Speedway. But to kick things off first, we've got qualifying for GTD. And a couple of big stories before we get into this qualifying session. We've had two red flags through two practice sessions. The first red flag was in the practice session last night. It was dry for the beginning and then some mixed conditions. Michael De Casada, who is filling in for Frankie Montecalvo, who Frankie and Paige are getting married this weekend. So congratulations to both of them. But Michael De Casada, getting up to speed, met the wall on the outside of turn eight, which is as you come back out of the infield onto the banking. He did some livery changes to the outside of that car, but no harm, no foul. It was out in practice this morning and everything was good. This morning's practice, however, we did have a second red flag for another car in GTD going out for qualifying. It's the number 22 Gradient Racing Acura. The right front tire parted ways with the car when Mark Miller had come out of the pit lane, so that car needed some help getting back. It was toward the end of the session anyway, so they were able to recover, and that car is on the pit apron, ready to go out for qualifying. Jeremy Shaw joins me, John Hindoff in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. JS, first of all, how are you, Mr. Shaw? Well, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thoroughly enjoying uh, what should be a very entertaining day only at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. This is a really interesting racetrack. All the drivers describe it as kind of a, a, a street track on steroids. It's really, really <laughs> tight, but it's got a very good flow to it. All the drivers seem to be pretty happy out there with the track layout, but it's certainly going to be difficult to pass. It's also, uh, I believe, pretty hard on tyres as well, but that is going to depend on the conditions. As Shay was saying, yesterday's session was pretty much run in a, in a kind of a, a light drizzle pretty much all the way through. Uh, this morning was wet for most of the session and drying out towards the end. So they've had some changeable conditions so far. And of course, tonight's race, yes, tonight's race <laughs> is going to be held under the lights. Uh, we're in daytime now. It's not super hot out there. So the, the, I think the temperature probably won't change an awful lot between now and tonight, but certainly going to be different conditions when we get ready for the race. We have just gone green. And if you're new to this IMSEC qualifying, it's 15 minutes and done so get out get it done get your position sorted on the grid you'll probably see these gt cars head out and steer out for the whole of the session unless they do something that is really exceptional and then they can park the car put the feet up and have a cup of warming cocoa uh, before they <laughs> pull themselves back together for this evening so 12 cars here six in the GT Le Mans. This, think of this like we have had past at uh, Long Beach, actually. Jeremy was talking about this circuit being a little like a, a road circuit on, uh, or a street circuit on steroids. Well, in the past, uh, we have restricted the numbers at these types of circuits for to give us extra racing and fewer yellow flags. And in fact, the similarity with Long Beach goes beyond that to also the amount of time 
Uh, this is a 100-minute race later this evening. And again, if you're new to this or if you're uh, at the track in the paddock or roundabout uh, listening in, uh, then uh, we don't stop for weather here. It, it, there are treaded tyres, just like you'll have in the Xfinity and the Cup here uh, this weekend. Uh, these cars are used to running in all conditions, so already have the windscreen wipers that the Cup cars and the Xfinity cars will get this weekend in case it is required. But this counts as effectively a road track, so this is no different uh, to if we were at uh, Road America, Road Atlanta, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. That is how this will work. So the only reason we will stop for bad weather is if the weather is too difficult to for the cars to actually circulate or, of course, if there is lightning in the area. Sheer, can we go through some of the qualifying drivers, please, in the GT Daytona category, which runs, by the way, if you're not familiar again, to the uh, GT3 formula. 12 cars running this weekend and 12 cars out on track right now. In numerical order, it is Michael De Casada behind the wheel of the number 12 Lexus, his first sprint race of the season. And Aaron Tielitz, the driver who is chasing in the championship uh, solo because he is now ahead of his co-driver, Aaron Tielitz in the 14 Lexus. The 16 Porsche for Wright Motorsports is Ryan Hardwick. And in the 22 Acura, the other car that had a little bit of misgrief earlier in the day, that is Till Bechtelsheimer. It's Ian James in the heart of racing Aston Martin, the number 23, and Rob Ferriel in the number 30 Audi for Hardpoint Racing. John Potter is once again doing qualifying duties for the GRT Magnus Lamborghini, whereas Misha Goikberg is the driver of the number 57 Acura for Heinricher Racing. The team car to that is the 86. That is Matt McMurray, championship leader coming into the race this weekend. In the number 76, now this is a change because Compass Racing has had Corey Fergus alongside Paul Holton all year. Corey unable to participate in the races for the remainder of the season because his wife is expecting and he's not leaving her side. So it is Jeff Kingsley, the young Canadian who is getting his first WeatherTech Championship start and his first WeatherTech Championship qualifying session. And finally, last but certainly not least, for Turner Motorsports and their BMW, it is once again Robbie Foley. Live in Sound and Vision, IMSA Radio, IMSA TV uh, together. Uh, depending on who you talk to, how you count, and which track map you look at, we could have anything between 10 or 17 corners uh, on this circuit. Um, <laughs> Speedway 1, 2, 3 and 4 are all used. There's an infield hammerhead, is what I'm going to call it. Dropping uh, into that is, uh, is quite tricky through Turn 1. The pink and black... Nation second position car at the moment is Matt McMurray for Mayor Shank Racing. That's on the front stretch at the moment, so it has come through the front chicane uh, and will uh, into the front chicane now, rather, and then we'll dive to the infield. With a bit of luck, we can talk you through this lap uh, if he stays out, and he has done. So right up to the wall, past the starter stand, and then diving onto the infield sweeper and through into turn two, which goes to the pit exit. Then into what I'm calling the hammerhead, underneath the bridge and through the right-hander at turn three, right across the kerb and off the track at four, but that doesn't seem to matter. Nobody's worried about that. The edge of the track is the grass there. Turn four, and on the infield back straight, a short shoot down towards turn five, still in this hammerhead area before you drop through, climbing up the hill just a little bit through turn seven, through the transition 
of turn eight and back onto the speedway. And that's effectively speedway turn one. You run into speedway two, and then you've got the back straight chicane, which IMSA are calling turn nine uh, this weekend. Jeremy Shaw. Yeah, John, and yeah, for, for a street circuit, quote-unquote, sort of a street circuit, it's pretty fast. Yes. Some of those corners, I mean, that, that corner coming off the after the start-finish line, turn one, that's a, that's a, a third-gear corner taking around about 80 miles an hour, just a kind of a dab of the brakes having come out of that tight chicane, which is uh, probably the slowest corner on the track, not quite as, as slow as the one on the back straight, but almost, going through there about 65 miles an hour. Uh, so, yeah, some of those corners in that hammerhead section are all pretty quick, all so 80 or 100-mile-an-hour corners. So it is quite fast out there. And you, as you say, yeah, there's... there's uh, Obviously, clearly no problem with track limits on that on that back section, uh, but it's a, it's a tricky part of the racetrack, and I think when we, you know, that could be kind of a danger point going into the race if if people, particularly GTLM cars, maybe trying to make a pass on some of the GTDs. So let's have a look at the, some of the times then. Ryan Hardwick for Wright Motorsports BMW, the number 16 car, has put the first fast lap down 118.232, 118. 0.259 last time around, so he's in the same sort of area. 118.258. Right Porsche, that right Motorsports 911 GT3R, and a bit of a drop for the sixth place car. And that looks to me like the 57. Yes, it is the 57, and there's a bit of damage on the right rear of that car and that was coming through was that the f coming onto the infield section is that where no, that think, is i think it's i think it's turns lost it out of turn seven did he red flag well we need to have 12 minutes of running and we haven't yet so the clock will not stop well it has stopped okay nope it's uh, okay fine it paused for a moment then. Uh, it, it looks like we've got that car pointing back in the right direction for Misha Goitberg. Uh, a little bit of right rear damage. It, most of that will polish out. It really will. Uh, and we'll be back racing very, very quick indeed. And, yeah, seven to eight. Good spot, Jeremy. It's a little bit of tyre rub on the right rear Michelin there. Hello to you all who are at the track and can hear us on the PA system and uh, thanks to Tyler Norling and everybody uh, involved at Charlotte for getting us on the PA there as well. Just coming over the top, there, there is a change in uh, elevation, a quite pronounced change in elevation. Quite a lot of dirt was moved on the infield to get that. And just coming over the top of the rise from seven, it's quite pronounced downhill section and just seemed to lose the back end of the car for Misha and in fact it looks like there might be a right rear puncture on that as well or certainly some wheel damage where he's clipped the wall if he clipped that as he turned in Jeremy actually clipped the wall on the right hand side when he turned in uh, going down from 7 to turn 8 or, or was that even uh, maybe I mean, broken suspension it conceivably could have clipped the wall, I guess, in turn six before that. The, the, the kind of the last of the right-handers. Oh yeah, it was gone. I don't, I don't know, but uh, no, Ooh. maybe just he just spun it. I think over that little crest as you were talking about it, which is uh, going into turn 
seven. Well, there's definitely tricky. damage behind the, the right yeah. rear wheel. So he's hit something somewhere. And as the car was unsettled over seven, as Jeremy described there, heading down towards the transition turn eight, back onto the high banks or the banking. Uh, now they can't do any work on that car. It is qualifying. So this is what's called park firm eight. So that's done. Day is done for them and they will lose their fastest lap share, Adam. Correct. And uh, one other interesting thing is the crew members can walk out to assess the car visually. They just can't touch it. They will have already forfeited the fastest lap by causing the red flag. So I don't actually think there's any harm in them doing work on it on the pit lane because they're already going to be sent to the back uh, with this penalty in effect. But the other thing, I'm not showing the third place car, the right motorsport Porsche, as having actually come into the pit lane during that red flag. So I'm going to have to get eyes on it to confirm that it did come in because otherwise that would be a penalty for them as well. They did not. Right. Okay. So that is going to be a penalty as well, as well for that right car. In it comes now mm. into the pit lane with 4.44 uh, going. And that needs to be, we need to get going relatively quickly. What did I say it was? Seven minutes, just over seven. We're going to struggle, I think, to get the amount of timing. We, we've seen it in the past that where IMSA has been able to, we've been able to... Well, hang on a second. Yeah, I don't think there's any problem with the schedule uh, this afternoon, so this should be able to extend a well, couple of minutes if they need to. I mean, I don't think they need to because we seem to still be under green flag. Or we're back to green flag. Correct. Yeah, we're back to green, yeah. Wow, yeah. that was so really quick. Okay, so we should be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So well done, him, sir. Brian Hardwick, couldn't you get that car back again? But incidentally, we, we talked about him being quickest uh, uh, three or four laps into the session. He was just pipped before the red flag came out by Aaron Tielitz. <laughs> We're fastest in number 14, aimed Vassar Sullivan Lexus, at 1 minute 18.0. The quickest time of the uh, of the two sessions we've had so far was a 17.6 that was set uh, actually yesterday. The, the GTD cars this morning weren't out for the final 15 minutes of the session because that was just for GTLMs, and that was when the track was at its best this morning. So the fastest time in GTD was set yesterday in the first session by Mario Farnbacher in the sister Acura, car number 86. Just another quick note, by the way, where we talk about the uh, qualifying drivers here. It's in GTD, actually the, the only car that has a choice in terms of which driver will qualify is number 23, Harter Racing Team Aston Martin, because that's the only car in the field that has a silver, silver ranking, a pair of silver rated drivers. Everybody else has a, has a, uh, a has a combination of of drivers, but one of them at least is either a gold or a platinum, and neither a gold or a platinum is eligible to, to qualify the car. But number 14 car, no, excuse me, number 12 car, which we talked about a little earlier on with Michael De Casada driving. He is driving this weekend in his first sprint race of the season, as Shea Adam pointed out, because Frankie Montecalvo is absent this weekend. He's got a good good reason however he's getting married to Paige so congratulations to Paige and, and Frankie uh, and uh, they've already delayed their wedding at least once if not twice um, and I think Frankie decided probably asking another for another delay in the wedding probably wasn't really going to get down very well so uh, that's why uh, Frankie Montecalvo is not here this weekend so we wish them well 
and we'll see Frankie back in action in a week's time at Petit Le Mans. No reason they couldn't have got married at the racetrack. That's what I did. Um, <laughs> if you're going to get married in the season, get married to a race and marry a racer. Get married when you know where they're going to be. That's the easiest thing to do. Although, in fairness, this year's schedule's been a, a, a bit difficult. Update on the number 16 from uh, Shea Adam, our VP, Racing Fuel Pit and Paddock reporter. Ryan Hardwick's in a little bit of trouble. Uh, he took the red flag twice, in effect. He continued to circulate when he should have come into the pit lane. So race control issued a five-minute hold penalty that's being assessed right now because there was roughly five minutes to go when the green flag came out. So it won't affect the race, but it means that they don't get an opportunity to go back out and try and set a better time. Hardwick currently sitting third on the charts. That would be his best qualifying effort of the year. Uh, that's interesting because on my race control I've got a five minute hold to the start of next session which would be the start of the race that would really hurt them because that would be about a four lap penalty um, it, it, the, you can have a penalty that's assessed uh, on the start of the next session but Shea uh, has confirmed with uh, IMSA officials down to the last 60 seconds Aaron Taylor's for Ian Vassar Sullivan the Lexus have been strong here uh, this weekend Jeremy Shaw. Uh, yeah, they've been strong everywhere, haven't they? Uh, they? They've been picked back a little bit on the balance of performance over the last few events. No major changes coming into this weekend, uh, however. Really, I think the only change in GCD was to the to the Ferrari, but which is not even here this weekend because Cooper McNeil once again has decided that his Ferrari Challenge commitments to take precedence over his, his WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, GCD Ferrari, which is kind of interesting, uh, but uh, so he's at Sebring this weekend. So no Ferrari here. Otherwise, balance of performance is the same. But you're right, the, you know, the Lexus have been strong, and yeah, Aaron Tielitz already got a, a couple of poles uh, under his belt this year. Wants to add a third one right here. It's Jeremy Shaw. He's with me, John Hindoff in the Hangley Global Broadcast Centre. Shea Adam, our VP, Racing Fuel Pit and Paddock reporter, as the time expires and through goes the Turner BMW to complete a lap just coming through the front sh straight chicane at uh, the back straight chicane rather at the moment checker is out and matt mcmurray is the car that sees the checker first for mayor shank racing he'll be no better than third that is his best lap what it in flat we've got three cars within 0.14 uh, a 0 0.30 of a second and four cars within a tenth at the moment, that's how tight it is. And the Lexus of Aaron Tielinson, oh, right to the wall as he goes through the stripe. And I, I think he may have brushed the wall on the right-hand side. He blows it apart by going a tenth quicker than anybody else. And that is huge, big spin down at the back straight chicane. And that's massively messed up the lap for Jeff Kings. He'd all that, in fact, they'd just gone through. He'd already taken, I think the 76 had already taken the checkered flag for McLaren, and that was, was that one of the Audis that spun right in, right in front of him? Uh, yeah, the, it, with an car? assist. With an with assist. An assist. Yeah. yeah, no, uh, it was the uh, the McLaren came flying off the banking on the outside line, tried to cut inside the Audi going into that chicane, uh, and uh, Rob Ferrell wasn't going to back off. He was on his on his final qualifying lap, so he wasn't going to back off. Uh, unfortunately for him, neither was Jeff Kingsley in third position. So Jeff Kingsley will uh, cross the line in uh, 
Actually, well, he didn't improve in that last episode. He's, he's shown a third in the moment, but uh, I'd be surprised if there was the penalty handed out here because that was a pretty silly move by Jeff Kingsley, not the sort of thing you need to do on your final lap of qualifying. Uh, you know, even even if Rob Farrell got, had got out of the way, which he wasn't obliged to do, then Jeff Kingsley probably wasn't going to improve his time in any case. Uh, so I think that was an unnecessary instance. I'd be surprised if that doesn't come up before the beat in race control. So 0.13 of a second between first and second, and then the next uh, three cars within round about a tenth and a half, which is Matt McMurray, Jeff Kingsley, and Ryan Hardwick, who holds on to fifth position despite that penalty uh, for taking the red flag twice. Then it's Gar Robinson, another good qualifying from Gar Robinson, only half a second away from pole position. And with due respect to Gar Robinson, uh, Jeremy Shaw, he's not got the same kind of experience or indeed youth on his side as say some of the drivers ahead of him, certainly not as the pole sitter Aaron Tealitz. No, that was a really good, really good run there uh, by uh, by Gar. His uh, his 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 best finish uh, before this was a fifth place. He was a fifth on the grid at Road America, but certainly this is his second best qualifying effort. And as I say, I think he might end up being uh, being. Uh, Fifth, if he's if if there is a penalty to Jeff Kingsley, isn't it funny how that Compass Racing McLaren seems to have been in the wars these last couple of races? Coming to the line, I I really thought Tealitz had brushed the wall, and now I'm sure oh, he, he blushed he brushed the wall, and he's got a nice white, well, Charlotte stripe, not a Darlington <laughs> stripe, on the right hand side. Didn't quite rub the Michelin decals off the right hand side tyres but the Bumblebee decals on the right-hand side of that car on its wheel arches, on the fenders at least, have been just taken back a millimetre or two. I'm sure he would have got another lap out of that because there is a bit of damage to the right front fender. Well, it has been a good year for Lexus, Jeremy, uh, and they've worked very hard to get this car competitive, and it's been certainly very competitive uh, this year, and that's another pole position for Ian Vassar Sullivan. Yeah, that's right. To the uh, I think the fourth pole of the season for uh, Ian Vassar Sullivan uh, in that Lexus uh, team. So yeah, another really really good run for them. This is uh, Aaron's uh, third pole position from uh, from well, Rice Lake in Wisconsin, Northern Wisconsin. Is the the youngster, 28 years of age, and uh, that was a fine lap that Aaron put together. He was already quickest before that final lap, but he's just squeezed a little bit more out of it uh, just to make that pole position a little bit more convincing by just over a tenth of a second rather than just a few hundredths. Yeah, and uh, really should be taking the pictures from the right-hand side of the car just to show the, uh, <laughs> How the much slight trying, rub yeah. on the wall because uh, he uh, he just used the safer... I wonder if the safer barrier, barrier just gave him a little bit of spring there, a bit of a forward push <laughs> off the side... <laughs> Because he was very, very close to it indeed. In fact, he'd rub up against it. So, uh, Lexus, BMW, Acura, McLaren, Porsche, Mercedes in the top six. And those six, Jeremy, separated by just over half a second. And for those that don't know, that is GT Daytona Racing encapsulated right there in the first three rows. Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? Super tight there, and I think it's, yeah, it bodes well for the for the race. I think a good job also by Ian James. He's ninth in the uh, the Aston Martin, uh, just ahead of John Potty, Potter. Rob Furiel in 11th position, and Michel Goitberg, of course, bringing up the rear, having had that incident midway through that qualifying session. 
Yeah, Rob Furriel for Team Hardpoint, the Audi, uh, with a new sponsor this weekend, Audi Tyre. Uh, people who... Lechtelsheimer's best as well, seventh yeah, position. Yeah, very good point for, uh, for Gradient. And he'll be delighted, less than seven, uh, eight-tenths of a second, three-quarters of a second away. Uh, and as I say, Hardpoint with a new tyre, with a new sponsor this year, Audi Tyre. Uh, and service there are the best people. They know your Audi if you have four rings then you should be checking those guys out. And they're in, I believe, for the rest of the season as well. So welcome to them. Nice always to have uh, uh, new people supporting motor racing. Next up, it's those cars, big brothers and sisters. Uh, these are the GT Le Mans cars running to the same regulations as what in Europe and in the World Championship are called GTE. These are, in some ways, I suppose now, uh, and with the demise of DTM, I suppose you would probably say the ultimate GT cars would be vying between these and the Japanese Super GTs. And uh, these cars are entered by the manufacturers, generally speaking, and with manufacturers or works drivers in the seat. Sheer Adam, who have you got qualifying for us? We have, first off, welcome back to the Porsches because they did miss the last round of the championship at Mid-Ohio. And it's a very exciting thing to see the new 919, uh, 991RSR19, because there's not enough nines and ones in that uh, name. So we've got Lawrence Vantor back in the number 912. He is doing the qualifying duties once again. And for the 911, well, this is an oval track. We know that one of the 911 drivers, Nick Tandy, loves ovals. He loves NASCAR. He loves stock cars. But it's Fred McAvecki who's doing the no! qualifying for car number 911. Yes, which means that Tandy gets to bring it to the checkers. So that's pretty fun, too. In the two Corvettes. Now, we have to spend a little bit of time thinking about these two cars because it's been the strategy of the championship leading number three to qualify with Jordan Taylor and to have Antonio Garcia bring it to the checkered flag. That's what they're doing again today. But for the four car. It is Oliver Gavin making his 200th race start for Corvette Racing. He is getting to do the qualifying duties today for the Silver Corvette. So Ollie looking to try and put it on pole at another oval. He's done it at Daytona a couple of times before. Let's see if he can do it here at Charlotte. And the final two cars in black, we have the number 24 BMW. And in red, we have the 25. In the 24, it's Jesse Crone, the Finnish superstar, who's going out there to try and claim another pole. And for the sister car, well, that's the big mystery. I don't actually know if it's local hometown hero, Connor Filippi, and it is. Thank you very much to Keith and everybody up in Charlotte for giving me the in-car video. That's Connor trying to get a pole position at his home track. Both he and John Edwards, co-driver of the 24 BMW, they call Charlotte home now. They live just up the street, so it's not a, a situation where they have to fly to the racetrack. But let's see if Connor can go flying around this track. Looks like we might just beat the weather this afternoon as well for this part of qualifying. It is closing in at Charlotte Motor Speedway. IMSA Radio and IMSA TV together. Jeremy Shaw and John Hindoff in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Just heading off to the uh, north and west of us. So on the uh, right side of uh, I-85. And it looks like the worst of it is going to miss us. What happens later on this evening when we go to the green flag conditions, which is uh, later on tonight, uh, we don't know at the moment. But we keep our fingers crossed because Mother Nature has uh, not necessarily been kind 
to us this year. Although, in fairness, 4th of July weekend on a Roval at Daytona, of course, Jeremy. We got pushed back a little bit. We got pushed back into the under the lights there. And actually, it was a fantastic event and finished under the lights in darkness. We had full fireworks and America's sports car on America's day winning at America's racetrack. So that one was uh, pretty good for the script writers. It kind of cool, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. it certainly was. And I think, uh, you know, we're certainly in for some excitement this evening as well. Uh, the weather could throw a bit of a spanner in the works, but hopefully not. Uh, and I think, you know, the, at least the, the, the teams and drivers have got some experience in perhaps not full wet conditions, but certainly very damp conditions, I think, uh, earlier in the practice session this morning as well. So I'm sure they're ready for just about everything. It's going to be an interesting session. It's a shame, uh, I think, in some ways that Tommy Milner isn't qualifying the number four car, but it's great to see Ollie certainly getting his opportunity here because Tommy Milner, I think uh, only he and uh, Bruno Spengler are the two drivers in the uh, GTLM field who had not yet got a pole position to their credit. And Tommy Milner, he was quickest this morning in the practice session, so I'm sure he was looking forward to having a shot at the pole. But it will be Oliver Gavin, and this is going to be a, a super interesting session because there's been absolutely, absolutely nothing to choose between the six cars in GTLM in each of the first two practice sessions. So this again expect to see a full 15 minutes and the usual script is uh, Corvettes go out first Porsches then wait a bit and go out second and then BMWs wait the longest and go out third and the reasoning for that is they all have slightly different characteristics as how they warm up their Michelin slick racing rubber and getting get them up to operating temperature and pressures but what we tend to see is them staying out for the whole 15 minutes and building up. So as they burn the VP racing fuels down, the car gets lighter. The cars get quicker. 21st century old-fashioned qualifying. Been like this in IMSA for a wee while. It works very well indeed, Jeremy. Yeah, it, you're right, John, uh, except uh, this track we're hearing is pretty hard on the tyres and it, it's dry out there now. I think uh, we should see some... I think it's pretty much dry. It's still perhaps a little bit of dampness in the air, but uh, it is fairly hard on tyres, so it'll be interesting to see whether, like usual, the cars do stay there, out there for the entire 15 minutes of this session. We will find out fairly shortly, won't we? Sure. All three of the GTLM manufacturers did manage to get test days here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The Porsches actually kind of wish they didn't because both of their chassis wound up with some pretty significant damage, one more so than the other. But in terms of BMW and Corvette, they both came out of this weekend with such amazement at the grip levels of the track. Corvette in particular, talking about the high G loads that they're experiencing and during the long runs, there were some sore necks, so there was a lot more simulator work that went on afterwards and a lot more gym work by those guys to try and get ready for this race because even though it's 100 minutes, it's going to be exhausting due to the level of grip out there. Well, you're changing direction so often in the midfield. If you look at the, the hammerhead area, it looks like, okay, straight, turn, straight, turn. It's not really. It's turn, turn turn and up then turn again that you're not really keeping the wheel straight on that car very very long at all out onto the banking onto speedways one and two for ollie gavin on his first flying lap jordan taylor in the yellow corvette is his teammate and he's out behind him 
across the line for Oli Gavin. 116.6, Jeremy. How does that compare to what we've seen this week already? Uh, fastest time this morning was at 114.935 by Tommy Milner. Yesterday's fastest time was set by Jesse Krohn at 115.4. So uh, that was drying out towards the end yesterday. yesterday but I think not, still not completely dry. Uh, so uh, I don't know whether it was. I don't. I think even this morning, drivers were saying it's still pretty damp out there towards the end of the session. But it's certainly getting faster in the closing minutes. So uh, we'll certainly be down into the 14s at, at, at worst. I would suggest. Oli Gavin blocked by the 911. Uh, Fred Matavecki, who's just out of the pits and just had to work his way through as he. Heads back onto the infield through turn one. And Makovecki locks up, locks up the inside front. Oh, he's got suspension damage. That's the 912, in fact. The 912, it's Vanto. Suspension damage on the right rear. Pitched sideways. Second place car uh, in the qualifying. And that's done. He's rubbed the wall. He's rubbed the wall. And the suspension and wheel damage there from Lawrence Vanto. And this could cause a, a yellow flag. So he's, oh, he got a big sideways moment as he was coming out of the infield and clobbered the wall right-hand side, right over the top of the brow again, just where we saw the problem earlier on between seven and eight. And just going over the top of the brow there, out of the hammerhead and into the transition, back into the car, stepping away. It's a game of inches Anybody who's been on iRacing has done that. They've all done that. Normally, actually, you don't get away with it quite as lightly as that because you think you've caught it and then it snaps back and then your nose in. I've got it, I've got it, I don't got it. And the front end of the car. Sadly for Fred Matavecki, control alt delete It's not an option here. He can't quit back to the pits and restart. The red flag is out, so both the GT sessions... They have been interrupted by a red flag. This one I don't think will be as quick to be sorted as we saw last time. On the kerb, coming out of the... Yeah, on the kerb on the left-hand side to start with, unsettled the car, coming into seven, and then through seven, the car's already offline and struggling and gets a little bit of a wiggle over the brow and at that point the right rear is heading towards the wall and actually took the right rear end plate off the wing as well just maybe the tiniest bit too much of curb on the inside of turn seven as the very experienced Lawrence Van Turt will be disappointed with himself uh, he's explaining to the IMSA safety crew there, the AMR IMSA safety crew, what is going on. Shea Adam has news uh, about that chassis. It's been in the wars here in this VP Racing Fuels Pit and Paddock update. Well, as I mentioned briefly in the uh, rundown of who was going out for qualifiers, both of the Porsches wound up in the wall at varying degrees over the test that they had at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It was the 912 that suffered the brunt of the damage, though, with actually the chassis being damaged. The 911 
did also get into the wall. All of it was in the hands of the same driver, though. It was not uh, Makovecki or Tandy who was able to get to the test, or was it Lawrence Vantor? It was all uh, Earl Bamber who was driving during that test. So that poor 912 knows the walls around Charlotte Motor Speedway fairly well. But it's very unusual for a driver like Lawrence Vantor to make a mistake, especially when there are walls concerned. He's a former Macau GP winner. He's very good in tight oh, no. spaces. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. The last time he won Macau, he crossed the finish line. It was for a previous manufacturer. He crossed the finish line to win that race with all four wheels not touching the ground. Now, interestingly, it wasn't because there's some kind of inconsistency in the pavement there. He was on his roof. So, yes, he is very good at, uh, at confined spaces. Um, but he does like to push the envelope just a little bit. I think he won from his now teammate, Earl Bamber, actually, who was coming up behind him in a Porsche uh, at that Macau GT event from memory. Um, can, I, can I bail him out a little bit more with a better example? <laughs> um, Too late. He won, he won Long Beach last year. OK, there you go. Well done. Why didn't yeah. he lead with that? He buried the lead. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy. But Obama crashed twice in the test in two different cars. That's That doesn't happen very often. No. Well, it goes to show, uh, lady and gentleman, and dear viewer and listener, uh, that this place should not be underestimated. You look at it on paper and you think, all right, 10, 11, 12, however many corners it actually is. IMSA say there are 10 turns here, 10 corners here. And you think, well, oh, that doesn't look too hard. That, yeah, OK. So it's left, left, right, right. Right, right, left, 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 right, left, uh, and right, left. <laughs> that can't be that bad. Yes, but you don't drive on paper, do you? And there's some quite tricky that the the movement of uh, of the earth in the infield to create those different levels that we have has created, Jeremy, quite an interesting set of cambers, the rise and fall of the road, just upsetting some of these GT cars. And you see it as well, even with the softly sprung Cup cars and Xfinity cars, that they are a handful around here. And that is uh, what a number of circuit designers would call mistake-inducing features. And I love it. I, I agree with you, absolutely right. I mean, I, you, it's, it's a quick track here. You know, the average speed, uh, even in the damp that we've had so far, is, is over 111 and a half miles an hour. So you know, that's that's pretty quick for a, for a mile for a, you know, a couple of mile track uh, with uh, with 10 or 17 or however many corners you want to count. So uh, yeah, it is. It and it's obviously clearly very unforgiving as well. And as Shay was saying, you know, it's physically very demanding on these drivers. It's a lot more physical than I think most people had anticipated before they came here for the test and then coming into the race weekend. Uh, just noted by Alan Prosser. Thank you, Alan, king of the screen grab. At IMSA Radio, by the way, if you want to get in touch with us uh, here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre, it was the catch fence above the wall that took the wheel end plate off. That's how far over Lawrence Vanter uh, was. Uh, keep an eye on the clock. We may see a couple of minutes just uh, put back onto there to give us the 12, because we have got a little bit of time. It does mean that uh, Vantu is going to lose his best lap, uh, which had not happened. Not happened. Yes, as I was just getting to that. My, uh, thank you, Shea, for bailing me out there. The cogs were turning rather slower than they should have been. That's all right. We are back to green flag, though, with four minutes to go. So let's see if everybody leaves the pit lane. Uh, this could be an unusual qualifying session now, John. 
Uh, this could be the equivalent of a green-white checker. You might get two. Verge, two runs at this. What we're doing, one minute 15. Can't afford to be slow on your outlap here. You might get two flying laps here. Remember when the checkered flag falls, if you are on a lap, even if you've just gone through the stripe and heading to turn one, that lap will count. So they're back out on the circuit. 115 uh, 067 by Ollie Gavin in his 200th start for Corvette Racing. The fastest sports car driver in his home village in Northampton. Yardley Hastings, finest. Hastings. Well, well, some, there might be somebody there tucked under the woodwork that we haven't seen in a racing car yet, there might Well, okay, he's the fastest, <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. fastest <laughs> Corvette driver in Yardley Hastings, things, I think <laughs> we can see. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and he, but he was the only one who laid down a representative Correct. time, wasn't he? Before we had the, the red flag out. Now, just going back to the average speed around here, if we compare this racetrack to uh, somewhere like Long Beach, the average speed for GTLM cars around there is you know, 90, 92 miles an hour thereabouts. Uh, Raceway on Belle Isle in Detroit, GTLM cars don't go there, but the prototypes, their average lap speed around Belle Isle is 106 miles an hour. Well, as I said this morning, the average speed here, 111 so, so this is uh, a quick track. And we think Belle Isle's a quick track, Jeremy, when they're charging towards our commentary point, just after the kink towards the start-finish line, uh, that looks pretty quick to me, I've got to tell you that. Uh, by the way, um, I, I misspoke earlier on, it's the loss of two fastest laps for causing a stoppage during qualifying. So both the 912 and the GT Daytona that stopped the clock earlier on uh, will be uh, losing their two fastest laps. In, in terms of the Porsche, it's not going to make that much difference because they hadn't put a fastest lap in. But uh, just to clear that one up, and my apologies uh, for that, it hasn't made a difference, I don't think, to Misha Goikberg either. He will start at 12th of 12. GT Daytona but, uh, cars as well but um, I know people like us to have the right information so I've passed it on and that was before anybody tweeted at IMSA Radio by the way, I actually just read my race control channel which I was too busy watching the, uh, the action on the track two and a half minutes to go and up to the top it's a Corvette but it's not Ollie Gavin, it's Jordan Taylor gets down to a 14-4 so six tenths better than his teammate, running right out to the wall through the inward infield sweeper and round through turn two. Now into the hammerhead, running across the back between turns five and six. Really get through this infield very quickly indeed. Over the brow, turn six, dropping down through seven towards the scene of the Vantor crime and now through the transition into eight. And on to the speedway, through speedway turn one. I think I'd like to see him slightly closer to the blue line there, but they must feel that they know what they're doing right up to the wall before the back chicane. Imza are calling this complex turn nine, all of it. Getting very close to the wall on the exit and on the speedway turn four. This is another good lap for... Jordan Taylor, Jesse Kronz coming in at a 16.5 for BMW, 16.6 for Spengler. And Fred Markovecki has just come out. Across the line, Jordan Taylor, a 14.2, Jeremy Shaw. 14.2, so over 112 miles an hour average speed for that Corvette. 
Remember, this is a mid-engine Corvette. If you haven't been keeping up with things, the C8R, all right up to the wall by the BMW number 24 of Jesse Cron, going through turn one into turn two. Very close indeed. Almost wiped off part of the paintwork there. Back to the Corvette. If you haven't been keeping up with things, Corvettes have switched to a mid-engine car, the C8, and therefore the race car that's built from the street car, the C8R, has the engine behind the driver. Fred Makovecki's first time is so close to pole position. Just 0.056 of a second, less than a mile an hour away from Jordan Taylor. Taylor with a 14-2, 14-3-3-4 for Fred Makovecki. My goodness me, Jeremy, with 10 seconds left to go, Makovecki's putting in a good charge here. This is good stuff, isn't it? This is uh, nothing to choose between the, uh, the Chevy and the Porsche at this stage, 0 0.056 per second. Uh, Jordan Taylor there does improve, doesn't he? But uh, No, he's pitting. Yeah, he's, he's brought into the pits, yeah. Martin, into the pits. That's unusual, doesn't it? We normally see the Corvettes out there right to the bitter end. But uh, no, no improvement there for, for Jesse Cron in fourth position. How has Nick Tandy not been allowed to qualify here? There's something going on. <laughs> Remember, he's he's done the rate, he's done the demo at uh, Talladega in the Coca-Cola Porsche after Petit Le Mans last year. Across the line through the checker, and Makovecki does not improve on his next lap. So it will be a 0.056 advantage that puts the number three. Chevrolet Corvette C8R from Corvette Racing and Jordan Taylor onto pole position. And what a lap that was. 114.278. Absolutely nailed the curbs through the final chicane and onto the front straight. Yeah, there was a good, what, three feet maybe between him and the wall there. Certainly wasn't that. There was a rub on the wall for the 24 of Jesse Krohn as he came through turn one onto the infield. And that uh, BMW will need a little bit of remedial work. But uh, certainly just a little bit of a rub there as the front fender was bent up and it may have cost him a wee bit of time. Another Corvette pole position, Jeremy Shaw, 2020 since the resumption of racing on the 4th of July at Daytona has almost, without exception, been owned by Corvette Racing. Yeah, except uh, Porsches are generally the ones that qualify on the pole position. There, there was a Corvette that was on pole uh, last time. Uh, this is the, uh, the third pole position of the season for uh, Corvette Racing and, or, or, and for uh, Oliver Gavin. Uh, but uh, he's, uh, he, he had to work really hard for that. It was also a pole uh, earlier this year for uh, Oliver Gavin as well, wasn't there? So uh, this is the, the uh, fourth pole of the season for Corvette Racing. A great lap there once again by Jordan Taylor. Jordan about to get the publicity shots taken down in the pit lane. So it's Corvette, Porsche, BMW. BMW, Corvette, Porsche uh, is how they stand with the two BMWs. Uh, less than a tenth of a second between those two, 0.094. And Ollie Gavin, after setting the early pace, ends up three quarters of a second on a relatively short track and certainly at 74, 75 seconds uh, short in time uh, from uh, his teammate being three quarters of a second away. 
So, congratulations to Jordan Taylor in Corvette Racing, to Aaron Taylor, who took the pole in GTT, for Aim Vassar Sullivan in the Lexus. It will be 7.30 Eastern for the Michelin Countdown to Green. That's midnight 30 if you're in the US. 100 minutes of racing. Looks like it's going to be an absolute blinder at Charlotte Roval. Join us on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.